This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. I'm afraid we have no time for chatting tonight due to the length of both shows, so let's get right to it. To begin, here's an episode of the popular Gunsmoke series and a show that was first aired in 1952. Around Dodge City and in the territory on West, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Gunsmoke, starring William Conrad. The story of the violence that moved west with young America. The story of a man who moved with it. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Chester. Chester. Chester, where are you? Back here, Mr. Dillon. Well, come on out. Yes, sir, Mr. Dillon. As soon as I get my boots on. Your boots on? What are you doing, sleeping? No, sir. Washing my feet. <laughs> well, now, I hope you didn't have any plans for tonight. Uh, what did you want me to do, Mr. Dillon? God, I want you to stay on Front Street for a few hours while I go up and have a toddy with Big Kate. But if you're going to oh, be busy... Oh, no, sir, well, I haven't got anything to do. I'd be proud to stay here. <laughs> Just look at the dust in that street. Uh-oh. Mr. Dillon? Huh? Looks like Major Randall from Fort Dodge crossing over here. Huh. Open the door for him, Chester. <laughs> Major will like that. Come in, Major Randall. Come in, sir. Marshal Dillon. Hello, Major. Marshal, I want to talk to you about last Saturday's affair. Well, Saturday was a pretty lively day around here, Major. Which affair do you mean? You surprised me, Marshal. Two United States Army soldiers were murdered while driving a supply wagon from here to Fort Dodge. A government payroll was stolen, and you seem to have taken no interest in the matter. Well, now, Major, protecting the Army isn't exactly... The Army can protect right. itself, Marshal. That isn't the point at all. Well, if that's true, Major, how come there are only two soldiers carrying your payroll? You've got plenty of men out there and plenty of guns. Where were they? On maneuvers. On maneuvers? My command, Marshal, troops remain in garrison as little as possible. Well, then you were asking for trouble, Major, knowing that there was a payroll coming in. The arrival of the payroll was secret. Even the two men carrying it didn't know what it was. Well, the word must have got out somehow. It seems to me, Major, like somebody out at the fort must have told them. There are no traitors in my command, Sheriff. Uh, Major, I'm not a sheriff. You, you see, it's... Never mind. Marshal, I demand to know what you intend doing about this crime. 
All right, I'll tell you, Major. Nothing. What? If I knew who did it, I'd make the arrest, but I don't, so there's nothing I can do. I see. Well, Marshal, I regard this crime as a demonstration of your inability to control these Dodge City ruffians, and therefore I shall do it myself. How's that, Major? If no arrests are made in this matter, I'll give these bad men of yours a taste of martial law. We'll see how they like that. I wouldn't try that, Major. These streets will be patrolled 24 Now listen to me, Major. You don't know these men. Sure, there are some bad ones here, but most of them are just wild. Free and wild. But you run the army in here and they'll all fight. Hmm. Let them. You've been stationed at Fort Dodge two months now, haven't you, Major? How long have you been out on the frontier? This is my first tour, thank heaven. Well, then I advise you to take it easy. You get to know the ways of this land. You may save your advice, Marshal. There'll be trouble, Major, bad trouble. If necessary. Nonetheless, the Army will take over within the week, or before, if there are any more of these crimes committed against it. Good day, gentlemen. My. You think he'll do it, Mr. Dillon? Yeah, he made a mistake, and he's a hot-headed fool, Chester. You try it. Well, can't you stop him? I don't know. Well, I'll be at Big Kate's later on. You can find me there if you need me. All right, Mr. Dillon. Hey, Marshal, come here. What is it, Shiloh? There's talk of Dodge being run by the Army, Marshal. So? So I don't like it. I and most of the men around here got out back in 65. We've had all the army we need. Yeah, I know. But maybe things will work out. And if they don't work out, which side are you fighting on, Dylan? Where do you stand? I'm hired to keep the peace, Shiloh, not to answer fool questions. You calling me a fool? Well, say it. No, you're you saying I'm drunk, Marshal? Is that it? All right, Shiloh, I'll show you how drunk you are. Now, when he comes around, tell him I took his gun. He can get it back in the morning. And if he objects to that, tell him to look me up and I'll throw him in jail. It's Matt, Kate. Well, come on in. Well, sit down, Matt. I'll get you a toddy. Thank you, Kate. You could thank me best for buying a drink at the bar downstairs once in a while. Well, why should I? I get better whiskey for free up here. <laughs> at least you're honest. Well, what's in the wind, Marshal Dillon? Would you just come up here because you're tired of sitting with your back to a wall? <laughs> you're right, Kate. The only place in Dodge where I can relax. That's probably just because you don't consider me worth killing. Uh, how old am I, Matt? <coughs> what? You heard me. Well, uh, I never thought much about it, Kate. You sure didn't. What are you getting at, anyway? Just that if I was 20 years younger, you probably wouldn't come here at all. No? And <laughs> why? Here's your toddy. Forget it. <laughs> Anything you say, Kate. You know, Matt, you ought to get yourself a girl. Oh, no, Kate, don't say that. I mean, it. sure, somebody like, we'll say Connie Dell. There's a real pretty girl. 
A lot of fire. Oh, you're sure a conniving old woman, Kate. You're just no good at all. You are. <laughs> you say worse than that. I told Connie she'd come up and have a drink with us the next time you show. Yeah, all right, Kate, if it pleases you. It does. Connie! Now there's fresh cigars in that box by your chair, Matt. Well, now. Had them brought in by the Santa Fe Railroad all the way from St. Louis. Evening, Miss Kate. Oh, come on in, Connie. I've corralled the marshal for you. Sit down, honey. I'll fix you a dress. And don't let her talk bother you, Connie. Well, I I did ask to meet you, Marshal. Oh? Why? Why'd you want to meet me? Hmm. Maybe just to see if you're really as cold and cruel as you seem downstairs. And? I can't tell yet. But I don't think you are. Yeah, a profession like mine leaves its mark on a man. Always trouble of some kind, isn't it? Most always. Like this army business now. Yeah. Will it be bad, Marshal? Yeah, it could be. Well, I'll figure it this way, Matt. The major's in trouble and he's trying to cover it up by threatening to take over Dodge. Well, any more difficulties and he will do it. Blasted green one. Uh, say, Connie, your corporal been in? He left a while ago. Well, what's he say? How'd the soldiers feel about all this? Well, I don't think they want to mix it with all these gunmen and buffalo hunters and the like. Yeah. Major will wish he were back on maneuvers if it starts. Maneuvers? Well, that's where they've all been. No wonder it's been so quiet. But that corporal of yours, Connie, how come he didn't go out? He's not my corporal, Miss Kate. He's, he's just a lonely kid. <laughs> all right. Seems like he spends more time here than at the fort. How's he managed that? Oh, they made him a clerk, a sort of bookkeeper. Stands pretty much his own. Uh-huh. Well, he's lucky. He's got a good, safe job, too. Suppose it is. Well, I'd better get back. Now that we've met, Marshal, you might stop and buy me a drink next time you I'm afraid not, Connie. No? You're too distracted. I might get careless and shot at. I take that as a compliment, Marshal. It is. Good night, Marshal. Thank you. Don't you mention it, honey. Well, Matt? You said her name's Connie Dell, Kate. Where's she from? I never ask the girls anything. <laughs> yeah, maybe, but you always find out. Now, come on, tell me. Hayes City, last. Uh-huh. Um, what's the name of this corporal who's been sniffing around? Bowers, Corporal Bowers. Oh, here, let me sweeten that toddy for you. All right. You put me in mind of a man I knew back in Wichita. No? He was the slipperiest, sidewind, <laughs> and the stubbornest man I ever knew. Even, Mr. John? Everything quiet, Chester? Yes, sir. But it's like everybody's holding his juice for the army if it comes in. Quiet and mean, Mr. Dillon. That's it, just, just quiet and mean. Yeah. All right, Chester, you can go to bed. I'll stay around for a little while longer. Yes, Mr. Dillon. Oh, uh, first thing in the morning, I want you to go to the depot and have them send a message to the sheriff in Hayes City. That'd be Mr. Hickok? Yeah, ask Bill to send me all the information he can about a dance hall girl named Connie Dell. She left there about a month ago. Connie Dell. I'll do it, Mr. Dillon. And uh, bring me the answer as soon as it comes in, huh? Well, we ought to have it by tomorrow evening. Yeah, I hope so. Well, good night, Chester. Good night, Mr. Dillon. 
Mr. Hightower down at the railroad depot. Mr. Dillon, would come in at 7 o'clock. Oh, good. Let me see it, Chester. Here. Uh, Connie Dell worked Golden Horn Bar here. Left about a month ago. A stranger called Billy Grounds. Nothing against girl, but believe Grounds a wild one. Has anybody shot you yet? <laughs> Regards, Hickok. Um, what's up, Mr. Dillon? Well, I don't know, Chester. Don't quite know. Uh, look, you go over and ask Big Kate if she's heard anything about this Billy Grounds. All right, Mr. Jones. Marshal? Huh? What is it, Shiloh? I want you to smell my gun. Here. Here. What? Go on, smell it. Uh, all right. It hasn't been fired. What are you worried about? Well, uh, I've been talking a lot lately, and a, a man was just shot out behind the Long Branch. A soldier. <laughs> Any witnesses to this? Well, who saw it? I, I, I just heard the shot. I want to know who killed this soldier. Well, maybe nobody did see it, Marshal. Maybe nobody cares much about it anyway. Just a soldier. <laughs> Wait a minute. All right, you men, I'm going to tell you something. If I don't find who shot this man, the army will move in here for sure. That's the whole army, Marshal. They won't all move in. Why not? My shop's rifle can kill buffalo at 200 yards. I reckon it'll kill soldiers at three. <laughs> Let me through here. Let me through. Let me through here. Hello, Marshal. What have we got this time? Uh-oh. Uh Soldier. Yeah. Well, he needs an autopsy just like anybody else. That was the man that shot him. He get hurt, maybe? Take a good look, Doc. He isn't even armed. This isn't a shooting. This is a murder. Hey, you're right, Marshal. Oh, well, I'll get him up to my office. Here, now give me a hand, somebody. You may have a better day tomorrow, Doc, but I hope I can spoil it for you. I'm riding out to Fort Dodge right now. Well, Marshal, what brings you here? Trouble, Major. What sort of trouble? Murder. A soldier? Yeah. Who? I don't know, some private. Why haven't I been informed of this? It just happened about an hour ago. In Dodge City, of course. In Dodge City. Have you arrested the murderer? Nobody saw it happen. I see. Well, Marshal, you leave me no choice. We shall have now, to... hold it, Major. I didn't ride out here just to carry news for you. I want something from you. From me, Marshal? Yeah. I want you to keep all soldiers out of Dodge for the next 48 hours. Put it off limits. <laughs> That's not exactly what I had in mind, Marshal. But you're going to do it anyway. What? Now listen, Major. Dodge City's an armed camp. It's full of men who fought Indians, who fought the war between the states, and who fought each other ever since they could spit. They'll fight you next. They'll make you hate it. Marshal Dillon, I shall report your treasonable talk. Report what you like, but stay out of Dodge. Now, I'll make you a deal, Major. Give me 48 hours and I'll find your killers. You better take it. All right. But I want the criminals delivered here. Sure, Major. And I might have to kill them to get them here. <laughs> 
Doc, you drinking up the profit you made off of that soldier? Uh, uh, oh, oh, hello, Marshal. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> the uh, boy's name was Bone, according to the letter I found on him. Uh-huh. Anything else? Yes. Dug a couple of slugs out of him. It's a funny thing, Marshal. I haven't happened on lead like that since 65. What do you mean, Doc? Well, I'd swear that boy was shot with a cavalry pistol. I'll see you later, Doc. And mind you, can't prove it. Not exactly, but I would swear. Come in. Hello, Kate. Did Chester see you? He did. Well? Matt, I get my information through the girl. Some of it's true, some is bound to be just talk. I'll weed it out. Carney's been seen riding out at night toward the Arkansas down by Brandy Bend. What for? Well, I don't know. Could be this fellow Billy Grounds. Yeah. His name's never been mentioned around here. My guess is he's never been in town. Anything else? One thing. Corporal Bowers and Connie went for a ride one night. When? Night before that payroll was robbed. Uh, figures. Where's Connie now? Over at the Longhorn, eating a steak. It's kind of late for supper, isn't it? She works late. Matt. Yeah? Next girl I steer you into, I'll pull her fangs first. <laughs> no, thank you, Kate. I like them better this way. <laughs> Evening, Connie. Well, this is a surprise, Marshal. May I sit down? Of course. Thank you. You sure Corporal Bowers won't mind? Don't be silly. Anyway, he's away at the fort. Huh? What time did he leave, Connie? I don't know. About seven, I think. Why? Anyone with him? Yeah, Private Bone. Marshal, you think Bowers shot him, is that it? You know any reason why he would, Connie? They were friends. They worked together in the bookkeeping office. I see. Tell me, Connie, Bowers say much about his job there or what he does and all? No, Marshal. He never talked about Handled it. Handled expenses for supplies and the like? Figured out the payroll? I don't know. Bowers would be in a good spot to know when to expect the payroll money in, wouldn't he? Even when it was kept a secret? You'd have to ask him, Marshal. I don't know anything about the Army. This isn't why you found me here, is it? <laughs> of course not, Connie. I'm, I'm sorry. Hey, you look real pretty tonight. Why, thank you, Marshal. You really mean it? Sure. Sure I do. I have to work late tonight, but I can get off tomorrow evening. Marshal, would you go for a ride with me? There'll be a moon. Where would we ride to, Connie? I don't know. Anywhere, maybe. Maybe along the Arkansas. Oh, I know. Let's let's ride down toward Brandy Bend. All right, Connie. We ride down to Brandy Bend. You're a 
all dressed up. Mr. Dillon, you going somewhere? Yeah, after supper I am, Chester. Got me an engagement. Going riding with Connie Dell in the moonlight along the river. You she a nice girl, Mr. Dillon? All girls are nice, Chester. Some fall in with bad company, that's all. Yes, sir. Mr. Dillon? Yeah. Who'd this one fall in with? Me. Oh, now, Mr. Dillon, that's not so. Then who'd you think, Chester? Come on, tell me. Billy Grounds. You don't give me much credit for romance, Chester. No, sir. <laughs> well, don't look so worried about it. I, I was thinking, would you like me to follow you tonight, Indian style? Uh, thanks, Chester, but it wouldn't help. You see, I'm riding into an ambush. It'll be over fast. Real fast. Well, all right, Mr. Dillon, if that's the way you want it. That's the way it's got to be. Uh, and as soon as I leave, I want you to ride out to Fort Dodge and see the Major. Yes, sir. Uh, uh, about... Tell him to arrest Corporal Bowers for the murder of Private Bone. I think Bone found out where the leak about that payroll money came from, and Bowers had to shut him up. The Major won't like that, will he? Well, tell him I'll prove it. And anyway, I think Bars will confess fast enough when the time comes. When'll that be, Mr. Dillon? When I get back to town. With Billy Grounds. What about the girl? Well, it's like I told you, Chester. Nice girl. Bad company. You know, I had me a girl once. Huh? Well, you never told me about that, Chester. What happened? It was over in Abilene. I gave her my money to go to St. Louis and buy some wedding clothes. She wanted that. So? Well, I don't know, Mr. Dillon. I guess she just liked it there in St. Louis. I'm going down the street, Chester. You better get started for the fort soon. Yes, sir, Mr. Dillon. Evening, Marshal. Uh, hello, Shiloh. I feel another drunk coming on, Marshal. Well, then check your guns back there with Chester. What if the army comes tonight? I'll need my gun. And stay sober. Uh, but uh, if the army doesn't come, I'll have stayed sober for nothing. Every man's got his problem, Shiloh. But uh, if I see you drunk and wearing your gun, you'll wake up brokenhearted in jail tomorrow. Tonight I'm going to get drunk enough to draw on you, Marshal. That's so, Shiloh? Then some night you're going to die. Marshal? Oh, hello, Connie. I got off a little early. Shall we go now? Anytime. I keep my horse at the National. I'll meet you at the edge of town. Oh, Ashamed to be seen with me? Oh, no, Marshal. But well, you know how people talk. Sure, Connie. I'll wait for you just down the trail. I'll hurry. Now we come pretty fast, Connie. You want to get on for a minute? I'm all right. All right. We'll let the horses blow a little and then move on, huh? You nervous, Connie? No. Why? Well, then sit down and relax. All right. 
This better? Yeah. Ah, sure is a nice night. Yeah, it's beautiful. You're not even looking at it, Connie. Is something on your mind? No, of course not. Why should there be? I don't know. You tell me. It's nothing, Marsha, really. Connie, let me ask you something. You ever see a man killed? What? Why'd you say that? Well, did you? Yes. Once in the saloon. Ah. Tell me. Do you have a fair chance? Yeah, he even drew first. Then you never saw a man shot in the back. Or ambushed. What do you mean, Marshal? I think it sort of goes against your grain, Connie, the idea of a man being killed without a fair chance. I get it, Marshal. All right. Go ahead. Down by the river near Brandy Bend, Billy Grounds is waiting to shoot me in the back. Then why did you come, Marshal? It's my job. I suppose you know about everything. I think so. What are you going to do? Connie, unless I made a mistake about you, I I think you're going to let me have a fair chance at him. Somehow. Why should I? What does it mean to me? I don't know, Connie. I, I don't know. But you think about it. You think about it all the way to Brandy Bend. Now, come on, let's ride. Make a nice camp down here. Plenty of wood. Get your own water right out of the Arkansas. Don't you think, Connie? A man could hide out for a long time down here. Marshal. He could be safe here, even while the army was trying to move into Dodge. A lot of men were being killed back there. It's peaceful here. Quiet. Marshal, I can't do it. Tell me, Connie. That, that big cottonwood up ahead, on the left. All right. Keep moving. When we get there, I'm going to ride fast. I'll hang on to the offside of my horse for cover. When I start, you turn around. Get back out of gunfire. Yeah, it sure is pretty down here, Connie. You know, maybe someday we can come down and go fishing, huh? That river's full of catfish. Did you ever get a catfish dinner? Oh, they can be mighty good when they're small enough. Back, Connie. Connie? Connie? Yeah, he's dead, Connie. I'm all right, Marshal. I'm sorry about this, Connie. I'm sorry I had to do it. He killed your heart. I'll show you where his is. And the money. 
Then you can take me back to Dodge. Jail. All right, Connie. But you won't be in jail for long. Here, have my word. Not for long. Let's go, Marshal. Gunsmoke, under the direction of Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was especially written for Gunsmoke by John Meston, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in tonight's cast were Michael Ann Barrett and Jeanette Nolan, with Harry Bartell and Don Diamond. Parley Bear is Chester, and Howard McNear is Doc. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. The adventure just begins with Gunsmoke on CBS Radio. Still ahead tonight... Gene Autry, Tarzan, Gangbusters, and Stars in the Air. Yes, listen in for them all on most of these same CBS radio stations. This is Roy Rowan speaking. And remember, for your free convention handbook, write to Time, CBS Chicago 90, Illinois. This is the CBS Radio Network. Stay tuned for The Great Gildersleeve, next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Harold Perry to star in another episode of The Great Gildersleeve. Draft Foods Company presents Willard Waterman as The Great Gildersleeve. It's a crisp, cold night in Summerfield. Here and there, a lighted Christmas tree glows warmly in a window. Holly wreaths have begun to appear. The ground is white with new snow, and it's still falling. Big, fat flakes that cling to the porches and the tree, and to the brim of the great Gildersleeve's hat as he hurries down his front steps. Makes a cautious turn as he reaches the sidewalk. and strides gaily up the street toward Catherine Milford's house. Deck the halls with boughs of holly, fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. Tis the season to be jolly, fa-la-la-la-la-la-la. What? Wait for me! Where you going, huh? Well, I'm dropping in at Miss Milford's for a while, is he? Can I walk with you? I'm going to Piggy's house. I'm putting up that tree tonight. We're going to decorate it. You well, good. Don't stand on the furniture. You gonna help Nurse Milford decorate her tree? Yeah, you can't tell. We may string a few cranberries, drape the icicles around. What if Dr. Olson is there? Leroy, don't worry about Dr. Olson. Oh, I'm not. But you said he was a pain in the neck. You said he was always hanging around her house when you wanted to be there. Yeah, well, you weren't supposed to have heard that. But that used to be that way. How is it now? Leroy, the nurse has decided she doesn't need a doctor as much as she needs a water commissioner. 
<laughs> the fact is, I haven't seen Dr. Clarence Olson in weeks. Gee, then you're winning, aren't you, You bet I'm winning. Sorry. You gotta be smart to be the doctor, too. You said it. Gee, and you're my uncle. Yeah. Well, here's Piggy's house. See you later, Uncle. See you later, Leroy. Yes, sir, there's a mighty fine boy. Well, Strathmorton. Hello, Catherine. Come on in. My, it's snowing out, isn't it? Yeah, just a little Look at you. You have a big snowflake right on the end of your nose. Yeah, I do. Well, cold nose, warm heart. <laughs> <laughs> Let me take your coat. Thank you. Well, beautiful tree, Captain. And Christmas presents. Are all those for me? No, but you can help me finish wrapping them. If I. Lots of presents. Well, Mother and I have lots of relatives. Yeah, sure. Then I couldn't forget those darling children down at the hospital. You? There are five of them that Santa Claus may not remember. Well, good for you, Captain. Be a shame if any little kitties were forgotten on Christmas. Mm. Here, put your finger on this ribbon while I tie the knot, huh? Yeah, yeah, all right. Interesting paper you're using, Captain. Mistletoe design. <laughs> Just put the package over there. No, I think I'll balance it right on top of your head. Ah, Morton. You know what that means, mistletoe. Oh, <laughs> Aren't you rushing the season a little? you only three more shopping days. you better put the package down there by the tree. Uh, shucks. Say, here's a fancy-looking package. Oh, I think that's the one Mother's giving me. Oh, you know, your mother couldn't wait. Huh? Mm. You let me shake this. Oh, but I can guess what's in it. Now, Throckmorton. You? Card fell off. Oh, dear. Well, isn't that just like your mother? To the dearest girl in the world, Clarence. Clarence! Throckmorton, give me the package. That one isn't for Mother. No, I guess not. Dr. Clarence Olson, the intern, huh? I thought he'd given up. Clarence has been on night duty at the hospital. Well, just so he hasn't been on night duty with my nurse. Uh, <laughs> well, he hasn't forgotten me. I can hardly wait to open his present. He always thinks of the most original thing. Well, I haven't brought you my present yet. I'm liable to think of something pretty original, too. Really? Give me a hint. A hint? Well... At the hospital, Clarence keeps teasing me about what's in this package. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. All he'll tell me is that it starts with a K for Catherine. Isn't that clever? Well, I guess there's a fine line between being clever and being corny. Morton, he's very ingenious. In fact, the mistletoe paper was his idea. You was? Mm -hmm. Well, it may have been his idea, but I was the first one who thought of holding it over your head. Yeah. I think. Jasper! You're coming, Bertie, coming. I wonder what Catherine is getting from that doc. Where's the clever cut-up? I'll have to go him one better. Good morning, Auntie. Hi, Good morning, children. <laughs> you know, Archie, what Christmas present can you think of that start with the letter K? K? Well, who's the present for, Uncle? A little kid we know spelled K-I-D? Hardly, Leroy. I was thinking about something for a young lady. Oh, you mean me. 
We'll get around to you children later. You know, there's a present under Miss Milford's tree. It starts with a K. I'm trying to figure out what it is. Uh-huh. Leroy, what do you mean, uh-huh? It's Miss Milford's present from Dr. Olson, isn't it? Well, yes. Well, if it's from Dr. Olson, why do you want to know what it is, Unky? Well, I don't want to give her the same present, Marjorie. Yeah, I'd like to give her something a little better. Well, if it starts with a K, maybe it's a... a Kodak. No, no, it's a pretty big package. Canary? <laughs> I don't think it's anything alive, Leroy. And as I recall, Canary doesn't start with a K. Nice hot coffee, Mr. Gilfie? Yeah, thank you, Bertie. Bertie, we're trying to think of some gift a woman would like, starting with a K. Any ideas, Bertie? Well, if it's for a woman, maybe it's something for the kitchen. Yeah, I can't think of anything but the kitchen that starts with a K. Except Kraft cheese. <laughs> I can't think of anything. Maybe it's kisses, Mr. Gillespie. Kisses? The candy type, you know. Candy kisses, acid paper. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Olson. Wish I'd have thought of giving her something starting with a K for Catherine. Let's see. K. K. Carrot? You could be giving her a diamond. You wouldn't dare. Kettle drums? Kilts? Yeah, you wouldn't give her those. She'd look cute in them, though. Well, good morning, Gilda. Well, the Honorable Judge Hooker. Good morning, Horace. You were walking along with a faraway look in your eye, dreaming of a white Christmas. <laughs> you old goat. Yeah, I'm trying to get an idea about a Christmas present for Miss Milford, Horace. Oh? Well, I came down to hear the Crash Choral Club. They're going to sing around the community Christmas tree here in the square. Oh, yes. Well, let's get a little closer. You know, I've been so worried about Catherine's Christmas present, I almost forgot they were in town. They came all the way from Chicago, Gilda. Yeah, I know, Judge. Say, there are a lot of them. You wonder who makes the cheese while they're on tour. Shh. About to sing. Ladies and gentlemen, at this Christmas season, it is our pleasure to present the Kraft Choral Club under the direction of Gerhard Schroeder. He came upon the midnight clear that glorious song awoke. Amazed and near the earth, whose love their hearts unfold. Before the earth was clear to men from their vibration Thank you. 
I think I'll try finding something for Catherine in a hurry and come back. I'll wait here, Gilde. In fact, I may go up and sing with them. You please, not that judge. They didn't come all the way from Chicago to find the lost discord. Now, Gilde. Wait a minute. They're going to sing again. spirit coursing through my veins. Christmas package under the tree at Catherine Milford's house from Gildersleeve's rival, Dr. Olson. What's in it? That's what the water commissioner would like to know. You, whatever it is, I'll get her something better. He may have the edge on me at the hospital, but by George, I'll beat him under the Christmas tree. He'll go all out. Hello, Petey. Well, hello, Mr. Gildersleeve. <laughs> what can I do for you this afternoon? Yeah, I'm looking for a Christmas present, Petey. For a lady. Something extra special. A uh, gift for Miss Milford, is it? You bet. That sneaky Dr. Olson bought her something that looks pretty nice. But I'm going to go in one better. I'm going to get her something so beautiful and so clever, it'll make him look silly. My, my. Any suggestions, Petey? Well, what does she like? Has she dropped any hints? Not lately. All she talks about is those little kids she takes care of at the hospital. Must be something clever and original I could get for her, Peavy. Now, how about a subscription to Look Magazine? <laughs> well, or how about a nice set of scales? Women like to weigh themselves, you know. She can weigh herself at the hospital, Peavy. Does she like sweetmeats? Sweetmeats? We have some very attractive boxes of candied prunes. 
quite helpful, too. No, Pete. Well, how about some nice musical bath songs? No. A ballpoint pen? No. That's the youngest way. You're rather hard to please. Yo, first. Phoebe, I've got to get something different. Something original. Uh, you've had plenty of experience at this Christmas thing. That's true. You've been buying Christmas presents for Mrs. Peavy for 20 years. Yes, I have. Well, certainly after all that time, a man should know what it takes to please a woman. Well, no, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I can see you're going to be no help at all, Peavy. I'm going over to Hogan Brothers. That's a good idea. Happy shopping, Mr. Gildersleeve. Happy shopping. Mob in these stores. Why does everybody wait till the last minute to buy presents? Oop! You watch that umbrella, lady. Second floor. Photographs, radios, toys. Yeah, out on two, please. Yeah. You might get her a radio. No, everybody has a radio. I'd be more original than that if I'm going to beat that slick intern. Christmas won't mean a thing to me unless I outdo it. Well, cute toys up here. Is that you, Miss Gilbert? Well, hello, Bertie. What are you doing up here in the toy? Oh, I got a lot of little nieces and nephews I have to buy for. Oh, yeah. They don't have much, so when I show up every Christmas with my arms full of toys, they think I'm some pumpkin. Yeah, but they do, Bertie. Say, what if I showed up with an arm full of toys for those kiddies at the hospital? The ones Miss Milford is so fond of. Them children would think you're some punkin too, Miss Gilsey. Well, I guess they would. What's more, I'd be some punkins with Miss Milford, too. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> you bet. Nothing I could do that would impress her more. Right, George, this is a great idea we had, Bertie. Quick! Quick! I want to buy some toys! <laughs> Dr. Olson can never top this. I'll walk in on Catherine, pass out these toys to her little kitty, and tell her this is my Christmas present to her. Ew, what can she say? Except that I'm the greatest guy in the world. The kids will get a kick out of it, too. <laughs> Intern turning your suit, you're through. Yeah, this must be the ward. I see some children. Well, hello, little children. Hello. Hello. Uh, where's Miss Milford? She'll be back. She wants to get our orange juice. Well, I'll just put these packages down and wait. Are you Santa Claus? Hey, me? No, he's not Santa Claus. He hasn't got a white beard. But he's nice and fat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but he's not Santa Claus. Santa Claus never comes around here. Now, wait a minute, John Teller. I'm sort of a Santa Claus. I brought all these presents to you children. For us? Honest and truly? Oh, boy! You see, Stuffy, he is Santa Claus. <laughs> oh, boy, I gotta come over and see him. Stuffy's lucky. He's in a wheelchair. Oh. Well, 
I'll bring the presents around to your little beds when Nurse Milford comes. I want to open mine. No, no, wait a minute, Stuffy. You shouldn't open presents until Christmas. I don't want to open mine until Christmas. I just want to dream about what's in them. Yeah, that's the idea, little girl. While we're waiting for Nurse Milford, will you read us a Christmas story? Christmas story? That's what she was doing. Yeah, they're in that book. Well, I like stories. Used to read them with my niece and nephew. Let's see what we have here. Here. Oh. Why the Chimes Rang by Raymond McDonald Alvin. I like that one. I don't know it. Well, I've been in the hospital longer than you have. <laughs> well, let's read it. We don't have much time. Once upon a time, in a faraway country, there was a wonderful church. It stood on a high hill in the midst of a great city. And every Sunday, as well as on sacred days like Christmas, Thousands of people climbed the hill to its great archways, looking like lines of ants, all moving in the same direction. They don't allow ants in the hospital. Stop interrupting, Stuffy. Yes, you must listen, Stuffy. Now, all the people knew that at the top of the tower was a chime of Christmas bells. They'd hung there ever since the church had been built, and were the most beautiful bells in the world. Some described them as sounding like angels, far up in the sky. Others... Sounding like strange winds singing through the trees. But for many years, they had never been heard. Why didn't the bells ring? Well, we're coming to that. It was said that people have been growing less careful of their gifts for the Christ child. And that no offering was brought which was fine enough to deserve the music of the chimes. Every Christmas Eve, people still crowded to the altar. Each one trying to bring some gift better than any other. Well, for personal reasons, I guess. They were trying to make a big impression. Oh. Now, where were we? Oh, yes. Now, a number of miles from the city, in a little country village, lived a boy named Pedro and his little brother. They'd heard of the service in the church on Christmas Eve and planned to go see the beautiful celebration. Nobody can guess, little brother, Pedro would say, all the fine things there are to see and hear. And I have even heard it said that the Christ child sometimes come down to bless the service. What if we could see him? The day before Christmas, Pedro and little brother were able to slip quietly away. And although the walking was hard and across the air, before nightfall, they had trudged so far, hand in hand, that they saw the lights of the big city just ahead of them. They were about to enter one of the great gates in the wall that surrounded it when they saw something dark on the snow near their path and stepped aside to look at it. What was it? Well, let's see. And there, by the path, was a poor woman who had fallen in the snow, too sick and tired to get in, where she might have found shelter. Oh. And Pedro knelt down beside her. You will have to go on alone, little brother, he said. Alone, cried little brother. But you will not see the Christmas festival. No, said Pedro. And he could not keep back a bit of a choking sound in his throat. See this poor woman. Her face looks like the Madonna in the chapel window. And she will freeze to death if nobody cares for her. But I cannot bear to leave you and go on alone, said little brother. 
Both of us need not miss the service, said Pedro. And it'd better be I than you. You can easily find your way to the church. And you must see and hear everything twice, little brother. Once for you, and once for me. And oh, if you get a chance, little brother, to slip up to the altar without getting in anyone's way, take this little silver piece of mine and lay it down for my offering when no one is looking. Well, in this way, he hurried little brother off to the city and winked hard to keep back the tears as he heard the crunching footsteps sounding farther and farther away in the twilight. The great church was wonderful that night. When the organ played and the thousands of people sang, the wall shook with the sound. And little Pedro, way outside the city wall, felt the earth tremble around him. At the close of the service came the procession with the offerings to be laid on the altar. Rich men and great men marched proudly up to lay down their gifts to the Christ child. Some brought wonderful jewels. Some brought baskets of gold. But the chimes did not ring. And last of all came the king of the country, hoping with all the rest to win for himself the chime of the Christmas bells. There went a great murmur through the church. The people saw the king take from his head the royal crown, all set with precious stones, and lay gleaming on the altar as his offering to the holy child. Surely, everyone said, surely we shall hear the bells now, for nothing like this has ever happened before. But still, only the cold old wind was heard in the tower. And the people shook their heads. And some of them said, as they had said before, that they never really believed the story of the chimes and doubted if they ever rang at all. Suddenly, everyone looked at the old minister, who was standing by the altar, holding up his hand for silence. Not a sound could be heard from anyone in the church. But as all the people strained their ears to listen, there came softly, but distinctly, swinging through the air, the sound of the chimes in the tower. So far away, and yet so clear the music seemed. So much sweeter were the notes than anything that had been heard before rising and falling away up there in the sky that the people in the church sat for a moment as still as though something held each of them by the shoulders. And then they all stood up together and stared straight at the altar to see what great gift had awakened the long silent bells. But all that the nearest of them saw was the childish figure of little brother who had crept softly down the aisle when no one was looking, and it laid Pedro's little piece of silver on the altar. That was a wonderful story. Why did the bells ring when little brother laid the piece of silver on the altar? Well... Why didn't they ring when the great men brought jewels and things? Well, like the book said, each one was trying to bring some gift better than any other. Those men were trying to outdo each other. What little Pedro gave out of the goodness of his heart. He didn't have any ulterior motive. 
some ulterior motives? Well, I guess that's what I had when I came here. That's Miss Milford coming. It is? Yeah. Well, I, I guess I'll be going. Aren't you going to wait and see our nurse? Where are you going, mister? Well, I, I think I'll sneak out this side door. But, but how'll she know who brought the present? Well, that's not important anymore. Merry Christmas. I didn't know the hospital had chimes. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's The Green Hornet, followed by Dennis Day. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. Stay tuned for some witty lines from Ziggy on Stardust. Next on Zuma Radio, I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.